When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast. This is episode 26, recording on September 9th. This is your host, Bob Osgood, and joining us, uh, no stranger to the Over the Monster Pods, we've got Keaton DeRocher today. Keaton, how you doing? Good, man. I uh, have almost completed the cycle of OTM pods this week. Uh, the Over the Monster Pod was the only one that I wasn't on. And this is my fifth consecutive day of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> and who knew sitting in front of your computer talking for an hour could be so tiring? Well, yeah, I was going to say, what is your level of exhaustion at this point? Very. <laughs> Especially with the, the precap, because we got to wait until the game finishes. So, that's like, right. We were recording pretty late last night. Yeah, that's the, that's the toughest one to fill in for, because I feel like every rain delay that there's been this year has been on like the final game of the series. and Yeah. Ends up ending at twelve or one a.m. So, well, you're <laughs> we get a to the eighth inning is tied zero zero. I'm like, oh god, yeah, please end this. <laughs> Thank well, God for Hunter Renfro. I was gonna say a lot happened in the last two innings to give you some content. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that worked out well. What an unbelievable game that was on Wednesday night. Um, well, thank you for filling in. We'll try to keep it pretty painless here. Uh, starting off with some maintenance and reminders. If you enjoy what we do here, please leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you use to listen to the Over the Monster podcast. Um, we've got the Over the Monster pod with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner, the Red Seat, which Keaton hosts with Jake Devereaux, and the Precap, which uh, Keaton is on with Shelly Verstraight, who is normally the host here, but is off this week. So we appreciate you filling in. Uh, I'm going to go over a few minor league related transactions to start and then there's a lot of minor league related news and notable performances from the last week which is really what we're going to focus most on today some really exciting single game performances and week-long performances that uh, have happened kind of throughout the the Red Sox minor league system over the last seven days um Miners related transactions is what I tried to narrow it down to after I read 20 of these off last week during the COVID outbreak. Uh, Jaron Duran got COVID on the third and went on the IL. Uh, Jeff Hartley was claimed off waivers by the Mets on September 4th. Cutter Crawford was called up on the 5th and sent down on the 6th. Franchi Cordero recalled on the 5th, sent down on the 7th. John Schreiber and Jack Lopez, that we talked a little bit about last week, were both sent down on the 6th. Michael Feliz, a reliever, was called up on the 6th. Jose Iglesias was signed, old friend, on September the 6th and played in a couple of games this week. And uh, Taylor Motter was DFA'd on September 7th. Uh, not the most ceremonious appearance on this team from Taylor Motter, although he did score the game-winning run pinch uh, running in one game, but made a couple of costly errors in another game. So, Keaton, anything notable here or any uh, players that were called up or sent down that, um, you know, piqued your interest at all over the last week? Just a general observation that I think it's fun when teams bring guys back like Travis Shaw and Jose Iglesias. Like, even... Houston brought back Marwin Gonzalez, and he hit a home run for them the other night. So I just always think that's kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Shaw had a – those first few games had some really key hits between the Grand Slam and a couple balls off the monster and another home run the day after the Grand Slam. And, yeah, I think that gives you a little extra juice those first few games going back to an old team. I think that's a great point. Um, It was interesting to see Cutter Crawford called up and got kind of an impromptu start on the 5th in the same way that Brad Peacock got an impromptu start the week before with some of the the COVID moves. Um, Crawford looked okay. Obviously, the result, he had four or five earned runs over two innings, wasn't that great, but seemed like in the first inning, the first couple of hits that he gave up really weren't hit that hard, and he was immediately, after he walked another guy in a bases-loaded, nobody-out situation, and pitched out of it and didn't do that well in the second inning either. So hoping that Crawford gets another shot. I thought that his stuff looked decent. He was throwing pretty hard in the mid-90s throughout the couple innings that I saw. So it was good to just get um, a view of Crawford, albeit under the circumstances that I don't think they had really drawn up when they called him up a couple hours before the game. Uh, Some other minor league related news. Portland, who we're going to talk about a couple of players from Portland up next, uh, actually has not played a game since Saturday. So when you hear, uh, you know, the, the Tristan Cassius three games that we're going to talk about shortly over last weekend, you wonder how he's done since that. He hasn't played a game since then because they've had multiple rainouts and they've also had multiple COVID protocol postponements 
postponements from their opponent, uh, Binghamton, this week. So they're hoping to get back out there on Friday. Um, Edward Bizzardo has been rehabbing in Worcester over the last two weeks and has given up a couple of runs um, in the four appearances, but seems to be getting closer and closer uh, to helping this bullpen out that they desperately could use just one more arm, even if it's for a couple of days. And this off day that they have here on Thursday is welcomed for sure. And then another uh, interesting note, Michael Geddes, who was um, an outfielder in the system, actually has is transitioning to be a pitcher. He's 25 years old and is down in the Florida Complex League and has thrown two shutout innings already down with the Complex League after being a hitter for uh, hitting 201 with five home runs in 46 games this year. Has an excellent arm, so... Uh, Looking forward to see some scouting reports on him to see whether um, that ends up working out for Gettys uh, or for the team, or if he can potentially be a pitching prospect in the same way that he was originally a hitting prospect. So, kind of some quick news there, and we're going to get into some minor league performances from the last week. So, Tristan Cassius, incredible weekend. Uh, you know, with three games like no one has had in the system the whole season, probably. He had five home runs over about 24 hours, starting with a doubleheader on Friday where he had a two-run homer in the third inning and then a three-run homer in the fourth inning. That three-run homer was 472 feet. He also had a single in that game. And then in the second game of the doubleheader, and keep in mind these are seven-inning games, he had a two-run homer in the fifth inning. Uh, if that wasn't enough, he followed that up on Saturday with two home runs. If you saw the clips going around Twitter, they were all tape measure shots where he was giving... David Ortiz-esque bat flips on a couple of them, just no doubters. Um, thoughts, Keaton, on Tristan Cassius kind of hitting a power streak after only having seven home runs prior to these five last weekend. Yeah, that uh, the power drought post-Olympics was uh, a little interesting, but it's so incredibly hard not to watch him and see the production that the Red Sox have had at first base all year and just be over the moon about what's to come and want him to get to the major leagues as fast as possible. Yeah. And looking at his stat line, um, he has improved really just by leaps and bounds over what he did in 2019. Um, the walk rate is up. The average is up significantly. Strikeout rate is down about 6%, which is a really impressive thing to do. Babip is about to, about the same, so it's not suggestive of him being overly lucky in this run so far in Double A. He's holding his own, and he's showed that he's progressed, and he really is the the real deal talent that we've all hoped. And looking at his stat line in Double A right now, it looks very Anthony Rizzo in his prime. Uh, you know, Rizzo, yeah. Rizzo had a few years there when the Cubs were going to the World Series, where it's thirty homers. 10 to 15 steals, walking like 11, 13% of the time and hitting 280, 290, uh, which is right where he is right now. Um, and it's just, it's so easy to see that and just put really heavy expectations on a dude, kind of like I just did comparing him to prime Anthony Rizzo. But I feel pretty <laughs> darn confident doing it because he's that good. I know. I think that we talked about Jaron Duran so much because he was the next big thing that we've shelved some Cassius conversations this year, especially when he was away at the Olympics and he's only played in 60 or so games this year. But you're right. I mean, 
the the power was down in terms of the home run count, but the OBP is 387. And when you've got a walk rate and a K rate that are both in the teens, that's a really good place to be, especially the first year that you're playing at that level um, at 21 years old in double A. I mean, that's young for that level. And you're right. I mean, I can't wait to see him go to AAA next year, and it'll be interesting to see whether they go with, you know, a, a platoon type of thing with with Dahlbeck next year and if he is going to be the guy in 2023, two years from now. Uh, obviously, Dahlbeck's been a lot better over the last month, six weeks, and, um, you know, is hitting both lefties and righties a little bit better over that time, and you got to hope that it carries over to next year. But if it doesn't, think we're going to be in good hands and how quickly you know with, with 12 home runs now his numbers just look so much better and 387 OBP that you noted 283 average um, just so quickly in three games gets back to the level that we were expecting him to be at as the arguably the number one prospect in the system yeah and the Red Sox have never been shy about being really aggressive with their hitting prospects not only sure. in um, how they've moved them along but like really kind of giving them the, the tests like um thinking so i actually i wrote a piece about this um at the beginning of the year because of um jaron duran and it was specifically about tristan casas and what might a path to the majors this year look like and yep. all the red sox top prospects prior uh yon mancada rafael devers uh andrew benintendi there's one more that i'm forgetting bogart's not Bogarts, um, Mookie, all had less than 60 games between AA and AAA before they were a major league regular. So the Red Sox reward success like this, and they're really aggressive with their hitter hitting prospects, and they're also incredibly good at developing them yeah. and trusting them uh, with these aggressive assignments. So it would not shock me uh, I mean, you're also right about Bogarts. Uh, you know, he was 20 years old in the World Series in 2013, too. Yeah, that was so a fairly aggressive assignment. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's precedent for their top prospects and their at their position player top prospects. And then you can even couple that with the need at first base, which was um, not the biggest need on the team, but certainly a void. Uh, both offensively and defensively at times during this year. So he fills a need. Uh, he's uber talented. The Red Sox tend to be very aggressive with those types of guys. And yeah. would not shock me if very early next year, after maybe a month or so at AAA, if he has a nice month, wouldn't shock me if he's there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they send him out to the Arizona Fall League to get some extra at-bats as well. Um you know, going into next year, which they've done with some players in the past. And I think that those rosters will be coming out in the next week or two. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't think we'll see him next year unless, or excuse me, this year, unless there's some crazy emergency, but um, might get some additional at-bats out there. And I think that he should be ready sometime next year. I certainly hope so. After seeing some of those blasts this weekend, um, moving on to Jay Groom, he, we talked last week, uh, Shelly and I, about how he was promoted to Portland, and his first start since then, over the weekend, in one of those Cassius games, uh, through five innings, gave up two hits, did not walk a batter, and struck out ten. Um, you know, we like I said, we talked about that promotion last week. It's 
good to see his continued success after um, a rough first month, month and a half of the season. His stats overall probably don't look that great. Um, if you just looked at his line to say, you know, what kind of a season did he have? Um, seeing a 5.29 ERA and a 3-8 and record in 18 games started wouldn't blow you away. Um, but, you know, if you narrow that down to the last two, three months, it looks a lot better. So any thoughts, Keaton, on Jake Groom and the season that he's had so far and now having a good start uh, after being promoted to Portland? Yeah, the inconsistency is just frustrating. Like for This first start in AA is a fantastic start. Two hits, 10 strikeouts, no walks, cross five innings is very impressive. Yep. But his last two starts um, in Greenville were not all that great. Uh, Six innings, eight hits, three runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. That's not a bad start. And the start before that, eight runs, seven earned in five, uh, three walks, only four strikeouts. And that's kind of just how his season has gone. It's been really bad. It's been okay, and then he's had absolutely stellar starts. The inconsistency is just really frustrating for a guy at this point in his development. You know, like he's far enough removed from the injuries and still has the stuff that he has to be more consistent at this point, and that's just frustrating that he hasn't gotten there yet. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, you don't see promotions too often when a, a pitcher has an ERA over five. Um, but I think that they want to see, like you said, he's 23 years old. He's far enough removed from Tommy John. They want to see what he has and, and if these skills are going to translate the double A. Um, I, I know what you're saying. I, I think that he might be a power lefty relief arm down the line, potentially if he continues to kind of go back and forth with some of these outings, because watching the highlights the other night, the first time he's faced that level of talent and he had all of his pitches going and he had great command, but you're right. I mean, it's frustrating the inconsistency. So I see the, the point that you're coming from there. I, it'll be interesting. They have to add him to the 40 man this off season. Um, you know, you think they probably yeah. will, but you also don't know what other moves are going to be going alongside that and whether they, they they might choose not to do that. Yeah, I don't know if they will, to be honest, because they got a real 40-man crunch coming up. Right. And I think he has to start separating himself in order for that to be the case. And he hasn't done it so far. So uh, he needs to build on this. It was his first start at AA. New Hampshire may not have had a ton of information on him. Um, 
but that's going to be over now. His next start, <laughs> whoever yep. he plays is going to know his abilities um, after that start uh, and be able to get some information on him. So he needs to build on it. I want to see how he does going forward. Um, and in order for him to get that 40 man protection, he, I think he's going to really need to stand out over this last couple weeks here. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure that he knows this is a huge month for him within the organization and hopefully can build on that start, like you said. Um, moving along to Connor Siebold, two of his last three starts have just been phenomenal to the point that I ask, why is he not up with the big league team? Um, we discussed his start on August 21st, where he had a no-hitter going into the seventh. He only gave up one hit and one walk and struck out nine. Um, had a tougher outing the next time out, gave up four runs. And then this past one, exact same thing. Six innings, one hit, no runs, four Ks. He's actually in three of his last six starts, only given up one hit, uh, all six innings or more. So, Keaton, what do you think? Are we going to see Connor Seabold soon? With with some of the names and people that, believe it or not, you know we've never heard of that have come up and played on this team over the last week, you'd think that we see Connor Seabold at some point. Um, do you think he might get a relief or a starting spot at some point in this month? I think he's going to start on Saturday. Okay. Is that a prediction, or did I miss some news? Uh, no, it has not been named. Well, so the reason why Cutter was called up for the last start was because he had pitched the day before. Right. Um, now he's on enough rest where you can put him out there on Saturday. Cutter also optioned back down. So there's a, the, the spot on the roster is open, and the turn in the rotation is open as folks are still out. So it signs points to him being the guy yeah and i was thinking the same kind of thing you know they wouldn't have started him in that game over the weekend had they known that they were going to lose pavetta that the outbreak that they i think thought they'd contained at that point and then yeah. turn the other direction for another day or two siebel never would have pitched that game at triple a over the weekend um so i agree with you i think we'll see him hopefully um you know one start and then maybe move into the bullpen, depending on the arms that they're going to need. But I'm looking forward to seeing a Seabold start as he has looked really good over the last six. And, um, you know, just that trade that was made last year uh, in the short season with Wortman and Hembry and Seabold and Pavetta coming back. Uh, just looking forward to seeing whether we're going to get two arms out of that that will be majorly ready. Yeah. Moving along to Nick York. And we talk about him every week, and I'm trying to find a reason not to talk about him, and it just it doesn't happen. He's since his promotion to Greenville, in 13 games, has seven multi-hit games so far after a promotion at 18, 19 years old. Um, he's hitting 385 with a 458 OBP, 635 slugging. In those 13 games, he's got three home runs. Uh, Wednesday night, you know, he had an off night. He didn't have a multi-hit game. And then had a game-winning grand slam in a 2-2 game in the eighth inning. Um, just outdoes himself on a weekly basis after a month of concern to start the season. Um, just complete night and day since that. What have been your thoughts so far this year on, on Nick York, Keaton? Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, we actually got a question about Nick York on the Dynasty's Child podcast. Uh, somebody asked for a comp 
And I said, Dustin Pedroia with more power. So I'm curious what your thoughts on if that's too aggressive, spot on, or uh, am I out of my mind? No, I don't. I, I don't think that you're out of your mind. I think that Pedroia is such a difficult comp because I'm not sure that there's ever been a player like him <laughs> in the history of the league that had that work ethic. So, uh, and did more with uh, with less than than he did. He was such a fascinating, unique player. So, if he's got that work ethic, then it's absolutely reasonable. Um, and the power, like you just said, has been most. I didn't know that that was going to be there. You know, I knew that he was going to be a gap doubles hitter, but he has 13 home runs in 89 games at 19 years old when he probably still has some projection left. So, I mean, you're putting a little bit of pressure on him with the Pedroia, <laughs> but better comp. <laughs> but um, no, I think it's I think it's possible, and it's just such a such a great start at this age. You don't see people at high a with this average you know unless they might be a ken griffey or a number one pick or something like that you know yeah well i'm gonna have to keep that file that away in the back of my head and yeah, pretty lofty expectations <laughs> i don't think anything is gonna jinx york this year maybe we'll see what happens next year but yeah one note that I don't have a whole lot to add to, but I just thought was an interesting fact that I saw this week. Marcel Meyer has 10 errors in 18 games at the Complex League, and I feel like I need to, I don't know, find a scout to talk to and get the story behind this, whether this is a fluke or if he, because the, the book on Meyer was really good defense to go along with everything else and good footwork and natural shortstop and no concern of moving off the position and He's made 10 errors in 18 games at the Complex League, which, I don't know, doesn't seem like it's, uh, it doesn't seem like that could be a complete fluke. It seems like most of those probably are are a result of real errors that he made. So <laughs> we'll have to see the story behind that, but I thought it was an interesting tidbit to throw in this week. Yeah, it is weird because, so when you pointed that out and we were kind of just chatting about it before we started talking, I pulled up a couple grades and Fangraphs has his feeling at a 50 uh, MLB.com has his fielding and arm at a 60. Um, so I'm just as confused. I don't really know what's right. going on. Maybe it's just him, uh, you know, adjusting to the speed of professional training. And I mean, it's not, he's not, hasn't faced, isn't facing anything overwhelming at the complex league, but, um, you know, getting used to the rigors of pro ball. Maybe it's just that transition period, something to, to keep an eye on, but, Seems like a fluke. <laughs> yeah, they didn't give him some aggressive assignment to Salem. He, I mean, right. it'd be interesting to see whether they're um, ready to do that or not. If his defense isn't quite there, if he would start the year at the complex league, um, you know, if that's something that that could hold him back from an initial promotion at the beginning of next year. So, just trying to pull up the another couple of rankings but you were quicker than i am so that's okay shane drohan and jeremy Wu yelland who are two arms that we actually profiled last week shelly and i were talking about the 2020 draft class and we were going over york and blaze uh who actually just went on the the il blaze jordan 
um, in the past day. Shane Drohan and Wu Yellen were the two arms that went in the fourth and fifth round uh, of that draft. Drohan has been great twice since we profiled him last week. He's thrown 10 innings, given up one run with 14 strikeouts, seven hits, and two only two walks in those starts. And he had some walk issues early in the season that we talked about, but four of his last eight starts now, uh, including um, one the other day, have, he has not walked a batter, which is great progress from what he had done in the first half of the season. And then Jeremy Wu Yellen, part of that class, threw five innings and struck out nine in his first start with Greenville the other day as a promotion. Uh, he was promoted to Greenville as part of a no-hitter that Greenville threw. Uh, threw another game later in the week. It gave up uh, a run in three innings and had a few more strikeouts, but he did walk six. So, you know, Wu Yellen kind of more of a control command concern. I've had some, and I know uh, we had Ian Kundal on who talked about the relief risk that was likely uh, or that he was seeing so far with Wu Yellen. But uh, have you been able to catch any Drohan or Wu Yellen so far this year? Or have any thoughts on, on those pitchers? I have not, but something that kind of stands out to me looking at this, um, I believe. I was trying to actually go back and see if I could pick this out, but I couldn't do it quick enough on the fly. Um, Wu Yellen's 90 strikeouts and 75 innings is really impressive because I believe of the two, Drohan was actually um, more of like that power strikeout pitcher uh, in college versus Wu Yellen. Um, And seeing Wu Yellen have more success there so far uh, in about the same amount of innings. Overdrawn, I think, is really interesting. I think that kind of um, shows this was a great find by the Red Sox and seeing his stuff and seeing that he was coachable to you know start maximizing what you can get out of him, which is not typically what the Red Sox are known for with pitching prospects. Right. Um, so that is something that stands out to me and something that I like and something that I'll keep an eye on going forward. Excellent. All right, I wanted to mention real quick that I, for the first time, went to a Worcester a Red Sox, a Woo Sox game this, uh, earlier in the week on Tuesday night. And it's so interesting when you go to one game, the players that you kind of have an eye on and you say, all right, this player was the best guy on the field that game. I mean, he's a future major leaguer. And my biggest takeaway, if you just put me into that game and said, you know, there's no names on their jerseys. Who was the best player here? It was Chad De La Guerra. So that's who you would have predicted, right, Keaton? If I, hundred percent, yeah. Uh, De La Guerra had four hits that were all like absolute rockets, including a game tying home run that got up in the the wind to right field, but went out by about sixty feet and just completely dominated the game. And uh, you know, I would have said that that's the that's their best major league prospect that is on that team. So <laughs> incredible! Um, what I saw there from a at the time under two hundred hitter who had two home runs in the season going into that game, but I was able to see Jeter Downs. He had two hits that were both really laced in that game. He also had two steals, getting good jumps on a right hander, and narrowly missed a third hit where his last time up late in the game he. Um, 
ripped a, a near double down the left field line that was foul. And then the next pitch, he hit a ball that deep to left that was just foul of the pole by a couple of feet and then struck out, but made some really good contact. So I was encouraged because a lot of the scouting reports I've read and things I've heard of folks that have seen him up close have been, you know, swinging miss concerns and that he really wasn't close and that his weight was off balance. But I saw some great at bats from down. So that's just one man in one game. Connor Wong behind the plate, I think he I really has some potential, which we already knew. I know he's not one of the highest ceiling prospects in the organization, but he had two hits, made a great throw to second that I believe was dropped or was kicked out of the glove, something like that. Uh, but his you know pop time and throw to second looked great, like looked major league ready. And I know that they've been confident enough for him to catch Yavaldi a couple times this year. So... I think that he definitely may not be a starter, but can definitely have a significant career uh, as a backup catcher in the major leagues, both, you know, definitely behind the plate and hopefully with his bat as well. Uh, Yoan Miesis, I feel like we don't talk about his stats often enough, just how good of a season that he's had, albeit with missing numerous games for the um, Olympic qualifiers and then being out there for the Olympics. I, I've never seen anybody or very few that, that just have taken uh, such a massive hack of the ball like Miesis does. He has 18 home runs this year. His average is a little down at AAA. He's hitting 222 in 46 games there, but he's got 18 home runs um, in approximately 70 games and has 43 runs and 46 RBIs. And I really just enjoyed watching him as a hitter. I don't know how much upside he has. He might be more of an organizational guy, especially at the age of 26, but just great leaps that he's made uh, power-wise this year and has played up pretty well at AAA. Got to see Darwins and Hernandez throw a rehab inning. He was throwing about 95, 96 during that time. Looked good. Uh, the starting pitcher was Daniel Gossett, who threw four and two-thirds innings, walked five. His command was very shaky, really, from the beginning, from the first all the way to the fifth, that he was missing spots and walking a lot of guys. So I know that he has a good record this year might be have seven or eight wins but those are some of my quick thoughts i really enjoyed the stadium if you ever get the the chance to head out to worcester and catch a game uh for the listeners and you as well keaton uh you know some good craft beer and pizza and coney island hot dog that had way too big of a line for me to get involved with and barbecue and they really it's a good experience the, the seats are all uh decent and it's just a really good experience for a new field that looks like just a mini major league field in this era in 2021 and one of the nicer stadiums that i've been to albeit in a minor league stadium so there you go i think we're going to finish up this week with uh some superlatives keaton you know i wanted to give you a chance to talk about some players that you think you know your favorite breakout prospect um kind of starting with that and then talking about a couple other players maybe a, a disappointment and under the radar prospect who you've got your eye on going forward so let's start with your favorite breakout prospect of 2021 who would that be yeah brian bayo um nice looked nice in his debut in 2018 then really kind of struggled uh in 2019 Solid reports out of the alternate site last year, and then has really just absolutely burst onto the stage here. Uh, 120 strikeouts, 85 innings, 
is really impressive. Uh, and he's doing it without walking, guys, keeping the walks per nine relatively low. That is really impressive. And it, the Red Sox now actually have some depth in the upper minors for starting pitching. It's not as urgent of a need. Uh, but the guys that they have have been performing really well and consistently, which is not something that this farm system has had uh, at like any point since maybe like 2005 with like Buck Holtz and Lester. Right. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since we've had guys like that coming up. Um, and now the Red Sox actually kind of have a handful of them. So it's kind of exciting to see uh, what Bloom and co have been able to do with the farm and how they're developing guys and now actually maybe not being a black hole for pitching prospects. So nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that's even with, you know, Brian Mata and Thaddeus Ward and Noah Song still away, two with, with injuries and one with a military commitment. And we were hoping to see Bizarro this year, and he's rehabbing, but that was kind of a lost year. So with a lot of pitchers that took a step back because of injury reasons, uh, it's good to see a few others step up and for it not to be Black Hole that you mentioned. So totally agree with that. Uh, who's your biggest disappointment so far or someone that you think kind of has failed to meet your expectations talked about him briefly already but jay groom i had high hopes for mr groom that he would have a really good year he'd start to take steps forward he'd be much more consistent and we'd see him up in triple a at some point and that unfortunately is not the case you know just getting the promotion to double a he's shown flashes but just hasn't been consistent and because of the 40-man roster crunch, this was really the year for him to make his mark in this system and show that uh, you know he's worth keeping around for a while. And so far, I just don't think he's done it. Yep. Yep, and we did talk about that a little bit earlier. Um, and then, lastly, under-the-radar prospect who you've got your eye on going forward might not be you know in the top 20 in the organization, let's say. Yeah, Nico Cavadas, who uh, MLB.com has as 27th drafted this year out of Notre Dame. Uh, College World Series was hitting just tape measure bombs and so far has put up a pretty interesting line. Um, 13 strikeouts, 15 walks. He's hitting 256, but has a 448 OBP with a couple dingers and a handful of doubles as well he could be something incredibly interesting i think like his best case scenario is kyle schwarber uh maybe a more realistic comp would be dan vogelbach which um with a little bit better plate discipline so i'm hoping that's what kind of pushes him more towards schwarber um he's a large man who has no range and can not play defense so he is destined for designated hitter but he could be a just stupid, fun, power bat DH that just cranks dingers, gets on base, uh, and just is like one of those Brock Holt cult hero type guys yeah. with the Red Sox just for his goofy skill set. So he's was- someone that I'm, I'm really hoping keeps this up and, and makes it to the Red Sox and is you know, a little more relevant than Dan Vogelbach, but kind of that... <laughs> That skill set and in the right situation, that could be really fun to follow. 
Vogelbach's had a decent career. He continues to find a job every year. And there's going to be 15 more, hopefully, God willing, 15 more designated hitter spots uh, if they move that into the National League next year. So there's more jobs for the Nico Cavadas of the world. Yeah. Keaton, where can we find you and how many things that you've done this week do you want to promote before we sign off? All the podcasts. And hopefully if you're listening to this, you subscribe getting all of our podcasts every week. You can find me on Twitter at Spoken Keats, and sometimes I even write articles. <laughs> awesome. You can find me at Bob Osgood 15 on Twitter. Uh, thanks again for filling in. I know this has been an exhausting uh, few days for you, so why don't you go open a beverage? Oh, happily. Okay, sounds good. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> thanks so much.